0: long time ago, under the thumb of another imperial power with a despotic ruler. The Israelites were spared from death for the first time. Time and time again, Moses and Aaron demanded that Pharaoh let God's people go after 400 years of slavery. Time and time again, Pharaoh refused. God sent plagues on Egypt, which would briefly change Pharaoh's mind. But his heart soon hardened. The people remained in captivity, bound to a ruler who considered himself equal to God. Until the final, most terrible plague, the death of the firstborn of Egypt. So the Israelites would be protected. They were to slaughter a lamb and put its blood on the doorposts and lintel of the house. The blood would serve as a sign to the Lord to pass over that house sparing its occupants from death. The lamb would then be roasted and eaten hurriedly in preparation for their exodus from Egypt. There are surely a lot of questions we may have about the character of God in this story, and indeed many stories of the Bible. But here's the bottom line. God has deeply loved God's people from the very beginning. When God's people were oppressed in Egypt, God did not give them up to their enslavers and tormentors, but led them out. When God's people were in the land and refused to listen to God, God again did not give them up, but sent them judges and prophets to lead them back into right relationship with God and with one another. And even when that failed, and the nation was utterly destroyed, God still didn't abandon the people, but led them back to their homeland. Centuries later, as the children of Israel, in this text, suffer under the oppression of yet another foreign tyrant, God takes this love to the ultimate step. God lays down his own life for his people. We've come full circle now in John's story. When Jesus first appears in chapter one, John the Baptist exclaims, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At that moment, we realize what it means for Jesus to be the Lamb of God, for Jesus to be the Son of God, Messiah and King. Jesus won't conquer through violent means. Instead, Jesus conquers by absorbing the violence of the world in his own person. Instead of shedding the blood of his enemies, his own blood will be the mark that spares God's people from eternal death. Jesus does this willingly. He says back in chapter 10, I lay down my life of my own accord, no one takes it from the None of the powers of the world force Jesus to give up his life. Neither does his Father. Jesus, one with his Father, one with the Godhead, lays down his life willingly for his friends. So who are included among Jesus' friends? They are his disciples, of course, present at that Last Supper, They are also part of the new community he formed with his mother and the beloved disciple at at the foot of the cross, of which we are part. That community is the church of every time and place. Jesus' death is the seed of the new community, which leads to new life. That can be hard to see sometimes. It's hard to see new life when we see so much wrong in the world. It's hard to see new life when the powers of the world run amok, or when imperial powers try to restore some misbegotten past greatness atop a heap of corpses. And it can be hard to see new life when we are anxious about the next 24 hours full, not to mention the next month, or the next year, or the next 25 years so much condemn our vision to our lord's vision of new life planted in a new community but the anxiety of this moment is not unique jesus came in a moment of great anxiety it was supposedly the time of the roman peace but that peace was built on death suffering and oppression Jesus exposed that peace for what it was, a sham, a vanity project for those in power. Jesus, as the one true king, exposes the powers for what they are, the powers of the world, weak, grasping, and desperate. Jesus takes all their rage, all their hatred, all their power, all all their ability to inflict death on himself giving himself willingly for the life of the world. There's a strange visceral scene at this end of John's passion narrative that illustrates this giving of life. Part of the horror of crucifixion was that it could be drawn out over days. Because the next day is not only a Sabbath, and also the next day is a Sabbath and the first day of Passover, The religious leaders don't want the victims to linger. Breaking the legs of the condemned would hasten death. But when they get to Jesus, they find that he is already dead. John heightens the Passover lamb connection with the quote, None of his bones shall be broken, which may refer to the unbroken bones of the Passover lamb. But then one of the soldiers pierces him in the side. Blood and water flow out. Why? Well, it partly may be to remind us that Jesus was truly flesh and blood as we are. But there is a rich symbolism going on, and it ties back to the rest of John's Gospel. Long ago, in chapter 4, Jesus told the Samaritan woman that he is the source of living water, a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. In chapter 6, Jesus told the stunned crowds that his flesh was true food and his blood was true drink, given for the life of the world. The water of life and the cup of salvation are poured out here upon an unbelieving, rebellious, violent world for its own salvation. All these images that John has here point to one main thing. Jesus is crucified for the life of the world. His blood is the lifeblood of the church, of you and of me. The water flows up within each one of us, a wellspring to eternal life. That's true whatever cruelty, injustice, or horror is happening in the world. That is true even when it seems like God has died. Remember, God did indeed die once, in Jesus. And even that was not the end of God's love for us. Rather, it was the beginning of a new hope, rooted in the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, who takes away our sin. On this Good Friday, I leave you with this. Don't despair. The church has been through dark times before. Indeed, the church was formed at the darkest time of Jesus' crucifixion. Yet from that darkness came a great light, a light that shines in the darkness still. And as John wrote way back in chapter 1, the darkness did not overcome it. And from that death came life for us now and in the age. As Paul wrote in his first letter to the church of Corinth, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast.